0: Welcome to That Scene, That Song, a podcast series dedicated to discussing the films and songs that have had a profound effect on our lives. We will be having a broad collection of interesting people talking about the films and songs that they love most, and a little bit about how they got through life through the songs and films that they enjoy. I hope you enjoy this series. Okay, we are back, we are back, that scene, that song, episode three, and we have a giant amongst us, a giant, and I am very, very, very proud that um, Mr. Eddie Caddy has made the time to come and tell us a little bit about his crazy story, (laughs) Um, and to inspire us about how laughter can also be medicine for the soul. Yeah. And um hello, sir. Hello, thank you for having me. How can I not make time? Oh, come on. How can I not make time, man? You know, um this is
1: this is not a return or compliment. I'm truly honoured and blessed to be here, sir. Absolutely honored. It's such a it's just
0: great to just spend time with you. Thank you. We're gonna we're gonna talk about your, your story to date. Yeah. And then we're gonna delve into when you actually have time to sit down and take in some films and music. Yeah. What gets you there as well. So let's go. Right. Where did your story start? It started in Mama Yemo Hospital, Mm -hmm. in the
1: Democratic Republic of Congo, Kinshasa, the capital city. Um, I was born to parents who were 19 years old at the time. Both? Both, yeah, both 19. Dad was at boarding school. Okay, um, and he and you know, they're both
0: they're both the same tribe. They're both
1: the same tribe. Okay. They both they live five minutes apart. Okay, uh, one my dad's family from a, at the time it would have been less, but he's ultimately from a family of twenty three children. Hmm. My mum had been the only female of seven kids, so um, but you know she so she was like the treasure of the family right mm-hmm. at the time. And dad you know was at boarding school far away. We're not talking mobile phones or mm-hmm. anything, so it's like when you go, you go.
0: Yeah, okay, and, and was they, it a former English style boarding school. Uh,
1: well, th- 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 this is a this is a Belgian colony right, in in DRC. So it's like, I couldn't even tell you what the schooling was like, but it was far, as in another total region. Um, They will go, that that often tells me the stories that they will get in these sort of big lorries Mm -hmm. and make their ways through the forest and stuff and end up in country on the other side in an area called Bandundu. Which is just a totally different different side. So the
0: teachers were from Belgium.
1: Uh, the te- the teachers would have been from Belgium, Jesus. and there was some of them also would have been you know Congolese because you know okay. the, the mixture. But to be fair, at the time though, um, we're not talking post um, you know independence. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you know the store would have been some of those teachers remaining, but the majority would have okay. been Congolese. This is better. What, this is 1983. Better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know, so that that's gone away. Yeah. Uh, to school, and, you know, boarding school. has come back for Christmas break, and then finds. Um, that his girlfriend, who at the time was probably a secret girlfriend, mm-hmm. is pregnant.
0: Mm-hmm. And I love they, how they see. My, my African brothers and sisters, they find out. They find out. We also
1: find I don't out. know how it happened. By Bluetooth. They wind. He came back and his dad was like, <laughs> you know, this is your wife. <laughs> his dad was like, this is your wife. He goes, how can you guys make the decision without me? And his dad said, how can you do this without us? Mm-hmm. You know, so... Um, but you know everything happens for a reason. So that was that was me for the first 8 years of my life.
0: Okay. In Congo. In Congo. Yeah. And do you have quite vivid memories of that time?
1: happy time crystal clip very happy for me okay. um, you know it's it's crazy because when I go back home and I tell these stories or even when I tell my parents some of the things I remember they can't believe I I remember specific I remember days I remember moments yep. and they can't believe it but I remember being from a massive family right and yep. you know I, I, and I would go I would often go between my dad's family and my mom's family back and forth mm. it was walking distance yep. and you know um, me and my, my, my maternal grandma were extremely close and yep. you know, I spent most of my time with her my first day at school was that we would go to the Catholic church she would take me to Catholic Church every Sunday. She had a bar, but she would often also sell bread. So I would spend a lot of time with her during those times. Mum was pretty ill when she was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, th- those, those are the vivid memories I had. And Dad often travelled. I think once he had me, uh, school stopped. And he had to become a man and, okay. and, and get on with it. So he often travelled out um, just, you know, doing business. And so at junior time, I spent a lot of time with
0: cousins. I grew up with a lot of cousins. Very loving. So if I'm clear, hmm. you were the... Product of young love. Yeah. Yeah. In Kinshasa. Yeah, I've never looked at it that way. And from that in the early 80s, <laughs> you have now become, without question, the brightest comedic star in Europe. Thank you. Full stop.
1: Thank you very I much. I appreciate be clear that. On that. I appreciate that.
0: How can that journey happen in such a short period of time?
1: Oh man, that's giving me shivers. You're asking me how can that journey happen? Because you know when when you ask a question like that. Suddenly I look at the time and I think, wow, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I'll tell you something. I think, I think we are here for a reason. I feel we've been given the tools and those tools are our gifts. Mm -hmm. And then our gifts then turns into our purpose if we respect those tools. Right. And, um, and I think I'm truly living my purpose uh, or I'm on, I'm on route to living it. Um, I was always meant to be here. I think I was always meant to be in the UK. Mm -hmm. Um, I was always meant to meet the people I was meant to meet and develop the skill set that I've developed. Um, Having spent the first eight years of Congo and it being very intense and me understanding, somehow, understanding the power that my country has Mm -hmm. and understanding the importance of of some of the the, the tools and the culture that I took from there and being able to speak my mother tongue fluently, Mm -hmm. you know, those eight years was enough. When we came over here, my parents... Made sure that we continue speaking our mother tongue. They still said still fluent now, still fluent. They made sure because you know French being the the, the colonial language, mm-hmm. they were like, you will learn French. You can learn French here, you know, but you will speak Lingala, mm-hmm. and as and that, that that continues to be, possibly maybe I mean English has taken over my possibly yeah. my most comfortable way of expressing, actually, um, but that was me uh, when we moved here I very much knew that I was Congolese mm-hmm. I could speak my language so there was no misunderstanding I would eat the food I went to the churches we went to the weddings I, I had cousins and family members that I connected with here yeah. um, as much as you know the Congolese success story wasn't as vivid yeah. growing up at the time I didn't see any issues of, as to why I couldn't tell my story yeah I, I I never looked at it as actually me telling yeah. my story. I I've always myself. I never I never grew up facing the barrier of, oh, Africans are not cool. I yeah. didn't hear it. Yeah, I didn't comprehend What you're it. saying now
0: is a big, very, I, I, I really connect to that. Because I feel if your family instills that culture in you, it is a lot more difficult for you to become completely wayward. Yes, sir. Because you don't feel the need to fit into yes, sir. To specific groups that are... Sometimes useless. Absolutely. You know, I went to see the Metropolitan Police recently to talk about knife crime. Right. And how, if there's anything I can do to help. And, you know, what's happened in London now is most of the young boys that are getting involved in knife crime are not from Caribbean background. Mm. They're from African. And I was shocked. I said, African boys? And I said, what generation is this? Because I always perceive it to be boys that are going back home. But it's not. It's boys that have been born here and they've never been back, and they they usually single parent. You know the story, 100%. you know, and they don't 100%. identify with their own culture. 100%. So they are they are third cultural kids. They don't yeah. know who yeah. they are, and that is the opposite of what you are telling me. Well, now. well
1: for sure, and, and and you know, I've got um, three siblings. Uh, one, I. You know, was born in Congo alongside myself we came over here she was five years old and then the last two are born here Mm -hmm. they've not been back home but one thing we made for for sure they spoke the language we instilled the culture and that was a constant reminder because they saw the hierarchy they saw the interaction between how their older brother interacts with the parents interacts with the community Mm -hmm. the pride that he has Mm -hmm. in being Congolese and and they automatically just sat with that you know they've had their struggles because often you know I can pay reference to discipline they don't have that so you have to constantly kind of instill it and remind them and eventually you start getting there because they, they understand that wait a minute, every time Eddie goes home, he is so excited and so happy mm-hmm. and he comes back even bolder and I want a piece of that, yeah. I want to feel like that and I think they yearn for that, now they're like insisting, can you take us back home and you're right you know, when 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 you're talking about just the single parenthood mum not having enough time to instill the culture because she's got to make money. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're watching the recent release of Top Boy Mm -hmm. and what I like about the new series of Top Boy is that it shows you the humane side Mm -hmm. to these so-called drug dealers and roadmen and street guys. You know, the story behind it, the the single mother and her child. You know, so for me, it's really important. It's been important for both my parents to be able to be speaking in Gala from my left and right
0: ear. Really important. That scene in Top Boy where they, they come into the mother's house. Yes, and they speak anyhow uh, to yeah, her, and yeah. she she keeps cool. Yeah, she tells them to go to school. Yeah, and I what I love so much, and it, I got really emotional watching it is her strength, in in something that could be, the end of everything. Oh yeah, for sure. She could not show that to her fear child. To her child. She she, and, she did um, she did
1: it all, and that's the strength of an African woman. My 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 mother is that. Yeah. She 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 protected us, you know, for a lot. It's funny you get through emotion at times, and then she. Starts to give you stories of what she's gone through. You're like, well, I'm gonna, I've, I have no, I've yeah. had no idea, yeah, yeah, yeah. because of the person that you know I've seen you to be. Suddenly you see the child in her,
0: yeah. Because we're all children. Yeah, well, this is as you get older. I mean, my mother's turning seventy in January, right. and she just, she's keeps she's opening up more and more to me. And some of the things she's sharing with me now, I realize that she was young and uh, and and onshore and you know making decisions it's crazy right Um, and as we get older everyone it doesn't matter what country what race you are you realise that your parents were very very fallible beings
1: but isn't that freeing yep. to know that yep. you you go actually now I'm going to live properly yep. I'm going to live without a lot of worries yep. I'm not going to overthink um, I'm not going to have par- I'm not going to be full of paranoia because actually my parents who I admire now yep. went through this you yep. know and to answer your question uh, in more of a straightforward form is that knowing who I was mm-hmm. being comfortable and being Congolese and being African yep. and being comfortable in everything else, else around me and, and yearning to teach people about my culture is put, put me in a different lane mm-hmm. as soon as I got into um, stand-up. Yep. You know, as soon as I got into the ent- ent- entertainment industry because I was telling the story not a lot of people around me were telling.
0: What made you choose laughter as your, your weapon of choice?
1: Oh, man. The pressure
0: from... I wouldn't call it pressure. I mean, I often
1: say this in my stand-up and I make it sound like it's pressure because it's a universal thing from African parents that doctor, lawyer, Mm accountant. But there was that... It would be nice if you could be Mm -hmm. uh, because my parents didn't have the, the... best example of what stand-up would be going into the entertainment that you wow. could do stand-up you're a clown stand-up what, what, what like, kind
0: of you better stand-up and go and become I
1: said, a lawyer I could, thank you it was that you know I could have bought my, your cousins yeah. who are smart they yeah. could have become doctors lawyers and you could have stayed in Congo to be a clown You know that. that they was even my, know what stand-up is yo you know what their reference was, was Eddie Murphy com- there you go they, and they, their reference was com- clowns comedians character yeah, yeah, comics you know yeah, yeah. What, what will you get out of? they just laugh at you yeah. and they won't take you seriously you won't open any doors but actually, I was at university. Um, and I was part of the African-Caribbean Society. And, you know, we used that as a... It's almost like away from the academics, a little bit of relief, a little bit of banter between us black students, mm-hmm. right? Talking about being African, talking about being Caribbean and just exploring that and talking about planting and plantain, mm-hmm. all that nonsense. Mm-hmm. And here I was being a spokesperson who was the guy who made everyone laugh. Not because I wanted to, I just did. Yeah. It was part of the
0: banter. So were you a shy it. boy or... <sighs> do you know why
1: that's such an interesting question I like to think I was because of everything that my thought process growing up mm-hmm. but clearly when people talk about me growing up they were like you're the guy who's the you know used the, the sort of life of the party he was very confident mm-hmm. um, my mum said I, I was a very wise child I was very smart mm-hmm. I was ahead of my class in Congo but in my head I was like I was like the child like, when parents say sh- ash- ash- mm-hmm. in public you know you don't embarrass your family mm. you know i was scared to hang around with the cool boys because yeah. of the things that well, they were doing right i was that guy
0: so you weren't yearning for attention then
1: absolutely not interesting absolutely not i mean it, it, in school from secondary school first to fifth year i played in the, i was in the school choir mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed it mm-hmm. i played the keyboard i played the drums i enjoyed expressing you know in church i was in the church choir mm-hmm. but these are all the things that made me feel a sense of belonging. i felt that felt good um when i got to college um it was almost like it would be good to do a couple of stuff that's to do with performing arts, but I really it wasn't something that I thought...
0: No. Yeah. And, and there's no and, course to stand-up, right?
1: Absolutely. Not. Well, t- apparently there is a school, Kojo, a couple of other comics mm-hmm. went through um, a school with a guy, um, um, you know, with a, a couple of people that were there, but I didn't particularly went through that. I mean, it was natural. In okay. fact, it took me a while to understand um, that I had to write stuff. Yeah. So, you know, so to answer your question, for me, it was first year of university... Uh, Second year university, I'm hosting, I'm, I'm a spokesperson at African Caribbean Society. We decided to put together a showcase, um, the first of our Kingston University talent. Were you at Kingston? I was at Kingston. Okay. I was at Kingston Media Technology. Uh-huh. And um, so we decided to put together a showcase at a fashion show. And everyone's like, you know, we can't afford these comedians and personalities. Eddie, why don't you just host it? You are our spokesperson. Mm-hmm. And in my head, I was like, this is serious now different universities came along and in my head I thought what's funny I need to be funny mm. so I impersonated my friend's Nigerian uncle that's what I did when I went on stage everybody welcome to this fashion show i got mm-hmm. going to have a for time mm-hmm. and that was my character throughout the whole event mm. people loved it they laughed. someone yeah. came up to me Nigerian uncles uni. give us a lot straight, of material straight in. <laughs> and they, you and know, someone came to me afterwards they were like we wanted to come to our union I said like, I'd love to because I, I enjoyed it and yeah. they were like how much do you charge I said charge charge yeah. uh huh yeah. And that was yeah. it for two years at university. But it was just hosting showcases. Stand-up came after I finished uni. Someone said, go on stage. And, you know, you're a funny host. Try and go on stage and just talk about being African. And mm-hmm. that's what I did. And that's what I've been doing ever since.
0: When, when did you realize you were actually quite good at this? Oh, and when I'll I say be, good, I mean yeah. I mean, premiership good. You know? Oh,
1: man. Do you know what? I think there was a moment when I went on stage... So, so I can't tell you specifically what time, I can tell you a period. I had just won Best Newcomer, mm-hmm. the Black Entertainment Awards, and Gina Yashira is sitting next to me. Gina. And Gina's like, I've heard about you. I've heard, you know, you're really good. I'm like, yeah, I'm mean, you see Gina,' saying to me, I'm really good. I'm like, yeah, I must be good. But I was I did a gig in Shetham. And I believe at this time, I hadn't met Richard Blackwood yet. Mm-hmm. Did a gig in Shetham. And I hadn't really started writing like that. I just had things to say. Mm -hmm. And in that gig, you had all the guys, you know, like proper hardcore comics. Yeah, Yeah. and I'm a a newbie and I've gone on that stage and I had stories after stories, right? And I just kept, and I was meant to do 10 minutes and the guy, the promoter was like, keep going. And I think I did half an hour just talking.
0: Freestyle, just spitting. Freestyle, honestly, just
1: going. And Richard Blackwood came to me afterwards. He said, that's one of the best things I've seen in a long time. You are going to be amazing. Like Richard Black was saying this to me at the time. I said, "Yeah, I'm." Mm-hmm. You know, and I, and he. In fact, the funny thing is, at the time, he thought I was a guy who robbed him at gunpoint. He he looked at my face. He asked me, "Where is he from?" So I, I'm from Fulham. He's like, "You got a brother?" I'm like, "What's going on? It's good, bro. I'm not gonna lie to you." And he, he told me the story. I was like, "It's not me, hey, Richard." <laughs> I went on my knees. Like, it is not me. I'm a fake. I can't spell gone. <laughs> but yeah, so that that moment there, I felt like I was on top of the world. I felt the. I was like, I'm good at this. Yeah. But my first. Then I remember doing like my my first show at the Indigo, mm-hmm. and it was just an hour of mm-hmm. solid. And that just felt like this. Is, and this is we're talking 2009. Okay, and I'm like, okay
0: okay I've arrived and and having arrived, looking at the um comedy landscape in the u k you and I are similar age and can remember people like Lenny Henry at his apex yeah. right at the top uh when he was literally a household name absolutely and I don't believe. We've had lots of successes like Richard, but I don't think we've had anyone that's taken it to Lenny's level, yeah. um, in comedy, having their own specials that were yeah. on, you know, on the box, um, in the same way. Now, obviously, if you look at um, what's happened with Eddie, Richard Pryor, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and obviously, you know, Kevin Hart, yeah. uh, David, but, oh, you know, you know the names, yeah. um, and the money they've made, the yeah. adoration they've had from people from all social economic groups, right? You know. You know, black comedians um, have fans that are from every single race and social class. For sure. Right? How can we have that level, that Kevin Hart level of success from a British uh, comedian of a diverse background? Well, first and foremost, we've got to
1: look at the US and the UK and think they're two totally to different worlds. Mm-hmm. I think we often fall for the, the danger of looking at those two places spaces mm-hmm. as being the same space historically they're not the same um, in terms of the, the, the dynamics mm-hmm. of, of the stories they've got to tell and the people they have to appeal to
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, it's not the same ownership is different mm-hmm. and you know there's so many different avenues that they can go through yep. okay um, we had for a very long time Co, just Comedy Fan House the Sunday Show and maybe mm-hmm. one or two other you know sort of comedy spaces here in the UK for mm-hmm. the black comedy talent where in America every block may have five or ten mm-hmm. f- just for the black comedic Media's mm-hmm. so for a very long time where they reached in their history and the platforms that was available you you from a Richard Pryor he was able to pave the ways for the Eddie Murphys and mm-hmm. everybody else like the Dave Chappelle's and the eventual Kevin Hart's right mm-hmm. so
0: but but in America it's kept going it's, up, yeah it's right? ke- it has kept going Lenny
1: up. is here I right? think because we th- this is what happens when the ratio is different. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot more of them mm-hmm. in America that you can pick from. Mm-hmm. And when you have the backing of spaces, like in ATL, I mean, mm-hmm. look at where we've reached with Richie Tyler Perry recently, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. In order for Tyler Perry to get to that space, right, there needs to be a sort of space, like a, a powerhouse. Yeah that backs the movement that moves forward. Okay, so Eddie Murphy is not just standing alone because, you know, um, the non-blacks are are there kind of helping him. But no, because there's the black power that's behind that with things that are historical. So when we have a a Lenny Henry situation, it was always by the approval of the white guy. Yeah, a commissioner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So then what happens is, They often said it. Junior actually said it. Junior actually said a a famous quote, wait for Lenny Henry to pass before I I make it. So now I'm gone. It's your turn now. Right? right. So the fact that she had to leave meant there's not enough space because we live in an island. These guys are making money just from one state. Mm -hmm. And that state is bigger than the island that we live in. You know, and I think those things play a role in saying that. We now have more options that are not controlled by the higher beings. Yeah. Okay? the Comedian now, having 129 countries or 119 countries, seeing his Netflix special mm-hmm. is a movement. And that came from he himself putting his yeah, stuff he forward. built his own
0: platform. Yeah.
1: And I think that's where we reach now. I don't think it's going to come from um, you know, the BBC or, or Channel 4 yeah. constantly churning out a yeah. Graham Norton um, type show. Yeah. I just think, let's just be yeah. realistic. I think we can have matters into our own hands. Yeah. I think we can create our own platforms. Yeah. And it's now global because you can now reach the global community. Yeah. Of course. You don't have to go through all those people. So will we have? Will we ever have a Lenny Henry type? I'll give you, a, I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way. Wizkid, mm mm-hmm. A Nigerian artist, born in Nigeria,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, raised in Nigeria, just sold at the 0 Arena, you know, two mm-hmm. years in a row. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, and all those kids were there to watch him do it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he's done it in his own terms, mm-hmm. his own way. What mix was the crowd? Would you the say? mix, the majority was was a bla- black crowd. Mm-hmm. There was there was a lot of white people there, okay. but the majority was a black diaspora because that's that's was fueled Afrobeats. Mm-hmm. But I think now, those kids that are watching i like, anything is possible. Yeah. If he can come from over there and yeah. come in and do it, And, and yeah. anything is possible. Yeah. So it's like, it can happen. I did the O2 Arena in 2010. Mm-hmm. Not because I was waiting for BBC or Channel 4 or, or Sky deal. Mm-hmm. I was like, we have a massive audience base. Yeah. It's underground. People are not talking about it. It's, someone has to stick their neck out and maybe it will be noticed. That yeah. was my idea behind doing the arena. Yeah. You know, and I think... um now this generation has, has more tools to yeah. be able to achieve the that so anything the, is possible all the walls are down now anything, anything is possible London
0: alone is 40% BAME <sighs> the whole of London and I, you know, I don't work. That's in, a figure in, that in, I've got. Yeah, so. yeah. If you, you know, so if you're a commissioner for the Beeb or, or at ITV, and you just you think of your entertainment yeah. for Central London, I mean, it, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to 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 know that you're not taking a big risk by yeah, having yeah. someone that's Indian or, yeah. or or from the, the the Muslim community or or, yeah. or from the Caribbean and African yeah. diaspora. I think or it's beyond. important.
1: London reflects that now. I think we shouldn't neglect it. Um, I think it's extremely important that we, we include the stories because these stories are beautiful. There's a lot of beautiful stories that comes from the BAME community yeah. that a lot of people beyond the BAME actually admire and are a part of, you know? Yeah. So like it's, it's it needs to be reflected. Yeah. And they're just gonna get to a stage where I remember when I did um I did a show, it was for BBC three.
0: Okay,
1: It's online now. Chris Moyles, it's a stand up special, at mm-hmm. the Empire, performed. There was about 21 acts on there. A lot of the mainstream guys. um, I was just kind of crossing over. Mm -hmm. I think I did pretty well. Evidently, it's online. Mm -hmm. And um, they came to me afterwards. That was fantastic. Uh, My clip was used as part of the promo for BBC, Mm -hmm. uh, for One Extra. uh, Not One Extra, so BBC Three is coming up. A lot of people were like, oh my God, Eddie's going to be on tomorrow night. And then I received an email saying, you know, we have an hour slot. Unfortunately, we couldn't fit you you in. Yeah, Hmm. And um, that broke me because I, I was probably top five, top six that night. So why would they cut um, you if you are top so five? So I was confused. They said, you know, they just kind of, you know, um, want to do another one possibly, but they just didn't have, they couldn't, there was no explanation. They couldn't put five minutes and I couldn't get an explanation. Now, wow. a lady from an, um, huh. a radio show within the BBC world, she was the head. She was in that crowd. She emailed me. She said, I want you to come in. I want to do an interview with you. I want to discuss other things. When I came in, this woman said, it's a white woman. She said to me, you know why they cut you, right? And <laughs> I said, <laughs> you know, it's easy to call that racism. Because mm-hmm. I'm black. Mm-hmm. And she said, no, it's a little bit more interesting than that. What you're providing is an alternative story that a lot of people are not used to, but a lot of people would love to hear.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Once they hear it, they want to hear more. Mm-hmm. Once they see your kind, they're going to demand more. Mm-hmm. And now people like the institutions are now under pressure to provide more and they're not prepared to do that. Yeah. And it's as simple as that.
0: But why aren't they prepared to do that?
1: Because then it takes over everything else. I
0: see.
1: And I thought, what? I had to take that in.
0: But But then that was
1: empowering for me. That that moment there made me feel extra special. And I was like, I've got something that people are fighting against, but people are also fighting for. So I have something amazing. This is beyond here. Mm. This is for the world.
0: And I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep using this particular tool. Doesn't matter what doors are shut, no. I have something special. Well we're gonna we're gonna play this recording to my sister June Sarpong because she's just become the head of diversity for the BBC. <sighs> congratulations to june you know june i know june okay i know june well I so know june, june you're hearing him more it's time june june i'm, I'm sending you this clip <laughs> june a very
1: close friend of my sister Noella kusara is doing amazing work no, 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 for no, no, the no, no, congo no. across the world you know noel well.
0: yeah. yeah so um
1: yeah i know june i know june
0: let's get into the music and films now yeah sir. yeah yeah so let's start with i guess we will start with the films yeah. Um Give me, give me, you know, two films, and and we can we can talk about maybe some parts in the films that have just been important. The in, show you know,
1: Shank the Redemption, without yeah. a shadow of a doubt.
0: Yeah. And Absent Without
1: Leave, wall starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. Two. They, every time someone mentions a film, those wait, two films my just, brother, just play
0: wait, in my wait, head. wait, 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 <laughs> wait. Ha, Otzi, my brother. Are you hearing this guy? He's he's like he's lived in our house. A <laughs> Oh, bro. He came in here to give me wall. <laughs> Ah. Bro, hey, that's
1: my that's my introduction. You know, I'm getting shivers telling you this. That's my introduction to the UK. Coming into the UK, living in that small house in uh in, in with my my, my 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 mom, my dad, my sister, and just watching films, oh, right? Man. Listening to music. I remember my dad played back to back Kylie Minogue videos like so today I don't know why, but that was his, <laughs> that was his way. I'm feeling like I'm in London. Am I London. We did in London. In London <laughs> we played Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but um, and films and all oh, the Jean Claude Van Damme. Our house was obsessed. Yeah. No, look with in, in, Jean- it, in his prime.
0: And I think that film um is possibly the best film he's ever done. Yeah. 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 yeah I agree. Um, I agree. I'm an old, like you know, look. I I I'm a blood sport, diehard blood sport, yeah. uh, Cyborg. kickboxer, Cyborg. You know. Cyborg. Cyborg Universal <laughs> Soldier. Yeah. Um, double Impact. Double Impact. So many amazing films. You know, films. Um, and obviously that genre of film is gone. But for you yeah. to say that is such a nice thing to hear because that was a very emotional... That film, I cried. Um, fighting I, film. And I've watched, and I tell you what, I've watched that film maybe four, five, six times.
1: Mm. And every single time that moment gets me. There's just a moment, there's just a, 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 a certain scenes, yeah. you know, with his niece. Yeah. Gets a Top scene, guy, but he's yeah, doing like everything he's doing for everything. a
0: little girl. Yep. Breaks out of the French Foreign Legion in the beginning. Yeah, soundtrack
1: yeah. is demonic. I would yeah. say the soundtrack is demonic because the soundtrack was created to make you cry. Yeah, yeah. You know, but uh, that film is my childhood. That film made me fall in love with uh, um, with Jean-Claude Van Damme as acting, like um, just him as, as a human being. Actually, the things that you know, I saw him beyond the films. You know, and he wanted meet I wanted to get into martial arts with my parents, but yeah, like, you will but, not be violent. Yeah. You know, but uh, that that that's my and film.
0: Those Stars have gone, like you know. Obviously, Bruce Lee before that, mm-hmm. and then you 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 had uh, people like Steven Seagal. Yeah, yeah. oh and Another another one of my favorites. Jackie took it to a whole yeah, other sure. level. But um, we're not getting stars like that anymore.
1: No, you're um, not. I think I think those people were genuine. Those people they, they put their neck on the line. These yeah. guys were doing their own stunts. They yeah. were genuine martial artists. Who I think that a martial artist who happened to to act.
0: Yeah. And also, it's know? about who's like like. What we're talking about in comedy, is about who holds a power that's willing to give you a break. I'll tell you a crazy story in the book I just read, um about Mike Ovitz, who ran CAA, the most right. powerful agency in Hollywood. Yep, yep, yep. And Stephen Seagal <laughs> was his Kung Fu teacher, right? Or martial arts instructor. Yeah. And he was so impressed by him that he made them arrange a basically a fake demonstration to all the studio execs with with like blood and blood. everything. Right. And Immediately, a fifteen million dollar movie um, was commissioned. As soon as they saw Stephen fighting outside, that's the how studios, we kicked off. That's when you have power. You show these. You walk. Oh, in, you, you know, they create. They create a cigar. Yeah, and then it blew up anyway. So they, they
1: created another. A, so it's supposed to look like it was. Dude, a real it's thing. like
0: your personal trainer, and you're like, you know what? I like you. Let me call my mates. And next thing, he's he is he is the biggest star in Hollywood.
1: That's how it should be. You
0: know, somebody <laughs> call my mates. <laughs> so, is
1: that mates to call you? Let me go through my director. You, nah, Let me go to nah. my book and see you, mates. You're good, man. But no, yeah, it's uh that, that's a beautiful story. And, and Shawshank Redemption, Tim Robbins. Sure. Um, you know, our, our granddad, our president, Morgan. Morgan Freeman. That's the only president I believe in in any film.
0: It's he's like <laughs> it's Shawshank is one of those films that um, if it's on TV, and even if you've got. serious stuff going on if you see it you can't stop you just sit down you 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 warm some rice, you bro. You are a real guy.
1: You I I it, have it never just, Shawshank on. It's the national uh, anthem. It, it we have to stop. It. It just it, you, and every time you watch it, you see things you yeah. you not seen yeah. before. Such a beautiful yeah. journey about strength, friendship, loyalty, redemption. Um, redemption yeah. You know, just like it's just beautiful the the, the the whole the way the the film was done. Yeah. Um, once again, you know, you now see Tim Robbins in the film. You're like I have to stop. You see a uh, Morgan Freeman it, because those, that's what good films makes you go. I'm loyal to you because yeah. of that film. Yeah.
0: No, sure. Yeah. I mean, um, when he gets the, the men all working on the roof cold beers. Man. Man. And that shot, they're drinking cold beers. Man. When he gets in trouble, trouble so, yes. for playing the uh the uh, opera. Yeah. And Morgan, what does he say? I don't know what those Italian ladies were were, were saying. Listen. But we were all free men. We, you know?
1: Listen, it's 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 such it's just you know the fact that you know, okay, it's passed away, mm-hmm. right? Um if you have not seen it, it's your problem. So then it's like you now watch another film. You think, oh, he's alive. Mm. This is his continuation. Mm. That's that. You know, the, the, these these films I did, real real close. To my, I mean, look, there may be, there may be a few others, there may be a few others, but if I scan in my head, I always come back to these.
0: Shawshank, I, I I I really love the choice and I respect everything about that film. Yes, sir. But AWOL, you got me. Yeah. <laughs> you got me, Listen, thank you. I might do a screening for that. Oh. Program. I that's might do a good point. I think I think, that, you know I think we should. We we have a cinema club, or well, what we see cinema club. Let's do AWOL. Hopefully it won't be just you and me and our cousins. I don't care. <laughs> I, I maybe maybe it should be. Maybe it should be. that would be fine. Maybe and I'll bring my father. Ah. You know, these are moments I bring my sister. Yeah. yeah. And 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 before we go on to the music, um, it's, and it's linked to music, but one thing I'll I'll throw out there is um Game of Death, Bruce Lee. Oh. If you're ever stressed, oh. if you're ever scared, if you're ever worried about whatever life's throwing at you, go on Spotify and just listen to the theme of Game of Death. Oh. The theme. I'm gonna get my phone out and play it up. We won't get in trouble yeah. with licensing. But just, the theme, yeah, yeah, the, the theme of Game of Death. Well, that's really interesting. You remember Game of Death is where he's wearing the yellow. Yeah, the uh, yellow. Of course, yeah, of yeah. course.
1: That 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 film was choreography at his yeah. best, really. Just, uh, that's that, that that's how I looked at it. And you he know? fights
0: uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Abdul-Jabbar, yeah. of course, yeah. But
1: oh. mm. well, you know what you're gonna you know what you're gonna do now? It? I'm going to rinse all this. <laughs> All the kung fu films. <laughs> I'm going to rinse. Like, that's go- oh gosh, you're taking me. Back. Oh, yeah. and you know what? It's a place of equilibrium. Whenever you get, I feel like that. Whenever I feel a certain way you go you know when we say man I wish I was a child again because there would be nothing to worry about you can literally become that yeah, yeah, yeah. just go back to those things yeah. that really define your childhood oh, yeah. and they still exist oh yeah bring out your your your, your Neds yeah. and play your ah. Nintendo I'm telling you bro you know bring out your Sega Mega Drive yeah. like you know like go and get that lollipop find yeah. your Habababa yeah. uh Gah play girl. Double Dragon drag- yeah. Space you know do Tetris buy yes. yourself an old Nokia yeah 3210. Yeah, I'm actually
0: looking for those Nokias. I no, think. they
1: exist, Dave. You, can, you find them in, the, in some of the deepest markets in London. Uh-huh. But you know, go and watch that movie that you watched with your, your uh-huh. mum and dad growing up. Go and watch that movie that when you go to the dirty parts, your dad said, Should you not be in bed? Uh-huh. Now, my guy, we were just enjoying this yeah, film sir. for an hour. Why are you watching uh-huh. it? But you allowed me to watch it. You don't want me to watch it. Oh, Kissing. I,
0: mean, I used to get so stressed in sex scenes. I was like, Where should I look? At the Bible, at the wall. Oh, Do you God. know what's
1: interesting? I've just done a shoot yesterday with my brother Baba for Comedy Central. The web series. And, uh, you know, I'm known as the, the clear family comic. And that's my thing. That's my angle. You know, I never talk profanities on stage. That's mm-hmm. my thing. So, yeah, they had this, um, it's like a conversation in a pub, right? And I don't drink either. Mm-hmm. So i got my orange juice, but my tuna's got his beer. But the conversation, they throw questions at us from climate change to Brexit to relationships to sex, everything, right? And so we got to the sex part. And I thought, for once, I want to be an adult. <laughs> <Yeah>? <laughs> and they throw these different types of questions, and me and let loose, and we finished. I was like, "That was so
0: therapeutic." You just went and said. That. I
1: said that. I just said that was therapeutic <laughs> in my life. That was very. But it, it once again, it was like tapping into a side of you that is also a part of you, of and then sometimes we just need release, and it was of fantastic. Course. It was fantastic. Of course, music, my brother. Okay, so I have a few songs right Um, there's a song called Obeni
0: Mm
1: -hmm. by a guy called Simarolutumba who it was also called the the poet it was a Congolese artist came from the old oké jazz band which was very famous by a guy called Franco Luamba one of the best musicians to come out of Africa what decade this, this is uh, we're going into 70s okay. 80s yeah. Okay. and um, so this guy was one of the best lyricists to come out of Congo recently passed away and I've got probably one of the last remaining interviews I've ever done we're, really? we're working on a documentary about the rumba style music in Congo wow. and we wanted to interview some people and I went there last year in October and um, he gave us access to his house. Me and my, my good friend Mohanby was who's an amazing Congolese artist, and we interviewed him for two, three hours just about life. We filmed it. We filmed it. We okay. got all the footages. Wow, and um, and you know, and he passed away, I believe January. So we got in there, you know, just in, yeah, he passed away this year. Okay. So um, it was um, just it's just amazing to be one of the last, if not the last, proper interview that he's done. But anyway, so he performed this song. He got his band in there. They performed it the live for me, and I was near tears. It was just like amazing. But this is one of my favorite songs. It's called Obeni. It's amazing. Wow. And um, yeah, and the second song. This particular song, before I say the title, I rinsed it, to use the, the, the better okay. description, during the time when I just, it was just back to back when, you know, I was going through just anxiety... And just crazy moments. Whenever I felt, whenever I felt really anxious, or whenever I felt stressed, I played this song, and for some reason it, it was to you, huh? it always calmed me down. And okay. I eventually found out someone was saying to me, you know, if you listen to the song, it really is a gospel song, because you know what the, the guy is, is saying. You might think it's a love song, but when you hear it and really deep it deep, mm. it is actually talking about God. But I was like, that makes sense to me, right? Uh, and every time I heard a song after that, I just heard. God, I just heard yeah. the person singing to God, and it suddenly it made even more sense, right? So calming, the voice, very short song, less than three minutes. Mm-hmm. It's called "Speechless" by Michael Jackson, mm-hmm. right? And that's one of his most mm-hmm. recent songs. I think it was on the Invisible album. On the Invisible, right? Okay. It is an amazing song. I don't think there's a purer voice than than on that song, and it's just so calming. And I play that song maybe once every two weeks, even to That's not a big hit, no,
0: by his status. no,
1: it's not. And, that, and 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 I think a song. What makes a song even more special beyond it being a hit, yeah. if, if if it's a hit in your life, yeah. if you're able to constantly take, go back and play it as a reference, yeah. that song is that song has had a big it's played a big part of my life. Wow.
0: Speechless, speechless. That's how you make me feel. When I'm with you, I am far away, and nothing is for real. When I'm with you, I am lost for words don't know what to say my head spinning like a carousel so
1: silently
0: I pray, help me. and and do you find that music I mean you've you've basically just said I don't know if you realize what you said that that when when you are staring into the void when you're in that dark place yeah. that that song pulls yeah. you out of it hundred percent you know what I I, I I wish we had a classroom full of kids listening to you say that because so many kids right now right now as we're speaking are lost for whatever reason you know they didn't have the um the luck that you and I have had yeah. sitting here today and I wish they knew that in in their cuz they all have they have they all have a phone right in that phone oh, there is therapy. help there is help therapy you just have to oh. know where to find it
1: I'll give you I'll tell you I'll tell you quick this is
0: oh man yeah let me let me let that sink in a little bit yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'll tell you something, right? So I have... Um, my daughter's nearly two. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Yo, man. It's mad. My daughter's nearly two. And, you know, we're extremely close. Mm-hmm. We have a good relationship. Um, I tried to beat as much as I could. Mm-hmm. You know, between planes and stuff, it's, it's, it's really crazy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Somehow, because my mom's, she's got a lot of energy. And my mom's like, this is you. This is how you was when you was a kid. You, too much, and this is your child. You said she's naughty, you was naughty. But she's also extremely smart. And um, she's somehow mastered the art of taking her mother's phone and s- s- I guess seeing the pattern of my name. Because she's that... I've she, given her iPad pretty early. The girl can go on YouTube and find Peppa Pig. A two? She, my, my friend before too. Wow. She's, she's about to turn to You will watch her scroll and press. And then scroll back and not want that impression. And, press and it. knowing what she's no, doing. No, 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 no. She knows. She knows what she wants to find. 100%. And if you move it, she cries and then she does it herself. Now, <laughs> I've, I'm i halfway across the world. And, um, you know, her mum's phone, her mum's name comes up. Yeah. And I've uh, picked up, hey, how are you? And it's my daughter. Okay. Hi, daddy. <laughs> What's going on? You know, we're gibberish as usual. Mm-hmm. Then I can hear her mum screaming in the background. What are you doing, my father? What's, oh, she's called you again. Okay? So then what she does now, she, when I call her mum, she knows it's me. She can see and she'll say, Daddy. Like if anyone else's name comes up, she doesn't say anything. Amazing. Okay? But the reason why I'm telling you that story... The other day, this is the most recent thing that happened. I'm in Manchester, Whiskey's concert. I'm in the car with my friends. We're going towards the venue. My daughter called my phone at least six times in that 17-minute event. She'll call. Hi, Daddy. Because she got is hi, Daddy. Nonsense in the so middle. So she's unlocking then the then by Daddy. You. Yeah, yeah, she can unlock the phone. She can swipe the phone. Right? So then, hi, Daddy. And then she'll say, bye, Daddy, and hang up. Then the phone will ring again. Hi, daddy. Bye, daddy. I hang up. Whenever she feels like And my mom was like, oh, just give me the phone. This is enough. I said, let her do as many times as she wants. Because when she needs daddy, mm-hmm. she needs to be able to reach out. I'm not around like that mm-hmm. as much, right? I feel you. And that's why it got me emotional because you're talking about kids. And I want my daughter to feel like that from the way she feels now that mm-hmm. she can call me anytime she wants. Yeah, yeah. I want her to understand that that's all she needs to do. Yeah, yeah. Whenever I, she feels, yeah. you know, because I don't know what motivates us to do it now. Yeah, yeah. I can't speak for her, yeah. but I know I want that to be the case when she gets to five, she yeah. gets to 10, she gets to 15. Yeah, you, yeah. She's, I, I need her to There's fill no that. There's no barrier between. No, not between. at all.
0: And and that, that gift alone, and it is a gift because not all young young girls that become young women have had a, and it's, it doesn't just have to be their father It just needs to be men Yeah, yeah, yeah No, no, 100% you
1: know, It's that, anybody that like,
0: listen, I am all ears Anybody and, and, and I'm not here to judge you, right?
1: I think the lack of father Is just an opportunity for other fathers Other men yeah. to be around, you know I've got children I want them to feel the same way yeah. um, You know, I've got nephews I want them to feel the same way I think Yeah, that got me really emotional Because I, I just think I think the answer is a lot closer than we think And oh, sometimes yeah. we really struggle With the things that God has already provided Yeah You know, I would say an African man is like a man who's going around the world looking for gold, but all this time it's in his back pocket.
0: You know what, Eddie, I'm just listening to you, because you're you're saying the frustration that when I get online and I see certain athletes, shall I say, Yes, sir. putting 120,000 pound Rolexes on their children's uh, arms. eh? Yeah? And these are people that are have been rich for 20 years. They're yeah. not even... you yeah. know kind new, of then talking then it's rich, not like yeah. they're new. When it's new, yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just thinking, what are you telling that child? Mm. What is their value system you're, going to you're be? You're creating so much emptiness. You know? and You're creating and, so much emptiness. You know, one thing about our own culture is that we have to stop being caricatures mm. where people from the outside can point and say, look at these people. Even when they have money, this is how they behave. You know... My mother always says this she's like you you you, you know M- Nissan, whatever success comes to you please huh? remember that you're my son and there's no fashion brand no fast car no private jets some of us have turned down deals based yep. on that on, on on those
1: principles my dad said you can always work at tesco's uh-huh. no disrespect to whoever works uh-huh. at tesco but you know what i'm saying yes. my dad always said it to me hey what's the what's the, what's the big deal uh-huh. You, we, you are here, you're alive, you have a yeah. good family. Yeah. Principles are yeah. extremely important. You will never be an amazing version of somebody else mm-hmm. you'll always be a, a, a diluted version of someone always no matter how much I want to be the next Dave, David Beckham I want to be the next Samuel mm-hmm. L. Jackson I want to be the next Martin mm-hmm. Luther King no no yeah. that's who you're going to be a diluted version right. be the next Eddie Caddy yeah. be the next Mr. Harriman. Yeah. Like, th- those are the things what, you know because
0: you are next But yeah. and, and Eddie Caddy is the sum of all of the people that have helped shape you to get here
1: absolutely so you can't be one individual so so my my thing is i think Ah, we're going to church oh my my brother (laughs) amen and he's saying that that's what i was i was going to say the notion of promised land are always based on things that are not promised so a lot of people, like a lot of our brothers and sisters that are coming from Africa, coming here, and then, you know, looking, longing for, to be, to, to mingle with the British, yeah. to mingle with the Americans that I've admired, is to be with them. Not knowing that they need you to teach them something new. You have the power to upgrade them.
0: Yeah. Beautifully said. We're going to finish off, but I have to ask you, are your parents um, still with us? Are they? Yes, they are both my parents and my dad's birthday uh, two days ago. Okay. I want you to do me a favor. Yes, sir. Because they're going to, I'd like you to play this to them. I'd I like would. you to speak in your mother tongue, mm-hmm. which I do not understand. Yes, no sir. one in the studio understands. Yeah. And just thank them for everything they've done. Because sometimes it's nice for them to hear it on the public forum. All right. Can you do that for me? I can do that, sir. Please. Mama, papa, I said
1: to you, I to I Eza na mingi bakoli na mboka oyo bakoli pe na ndenge moko ya mabe bazasi na ba famille bangote bokokozwa pe décision ya otika na Kongo avec bolingo avec amour wana bomemenga awa na Angleterre na Koli bokoli sibiso bokoli sibi ba ba bo ba na bino bo sacrifier ba na bino pona nga Thank you, Mingi, Thank you, thank you, bro. thank you, thank you. We're done.
0: We're done, Eddie. Thank you for everything. Yo, man, you trying to trying to make a
1: gangster cry? <laughs> I'm a I'm a war child, man.
0: <laughs> The team of what we see have had an amazing time making this podcast, but it would be nothing without the amazing people at Another Tongue that have helped make this thing happen, especially my capo, the boss. John Love who has allowed us to explore our creative juices in his studios and his amazing team of sound engineers and composers, RG Wilkinson, Dan Lambert and Kyle Rolf, the Rolfmeister. Thank you so much. I enjoy working with you and hope we do many, many, many more things together.